So David and Miranda, it is with great joy that we come together today. And you know, if you've been nervous up until now and just kind of wondering how is this all going to be, well, don't worry because the ceremony is happening, right? <laughs> it's going forward. You're on the train, so you're going to get to the destination. And, and I would invite you to reflect and to look back over uh, your life together and in a very special way to look forward. You know, and I think that's something that's important. You know, we can think of, you know, what's the most important virtue to live within marriage? And I think that it's very much to live the virtue of hope. Because, you know, during, during some moments, things will be more difficult. But then it's by looking at each other and looking forward, and especially looking to God, that you'll have the courage and the hope in order to go forward. You know, it's interesting, a lot of times when I help young people to prepare for marriage, one of the things that I mention is that it's very easy to fall in love but it can be a lot harder to stay in love, right? And that's the challenge that you are taking on through the ceremony. You know, and with the asking for the witness of the church, really uniting yourselves in love in the eyes of God and giving to one, each other, to one another the sacrament of marriage. And I have to congratulate you because I think that you're taking what we would call a road less traveled nowadays right and where we can look at so many of our friends that choose to not have their union blessed by the church maybe not to even get married civilly and just kind of you know well we'll fill things out right and we'll see how far our feelings take us but i think that you know you've realized that that doesn't give you know very much of a guarantee and and it doesn't give the full expression of your love you know, the, its proper home. And I think that there can be a temptation as well to think that the church is out of touch, right? There's just so many different things that go on and our world, our, you know, our society has moved on from a lot of traditions, you know? So what is this of getting married in a church? You know, why stay, why stay involved in a church that is just a relic of the past? But I think that your decision to get married sacramentally points to a love that you do have for the church and a willingness to swim countercurrent to do what is right. And for that, I congratulate you. And I think it's actually a key to the success of your marriage. You know, we could, we could think about it, kind of a, a curious question, and, and maybe it's a little bit too late to ask this question, but it's like, how many times in your life do you want to get married? Father John was joking with me before, the ceremony today and he says yeah they've already got married civilly they want to do another ceremony you know later on they're doing the religious ceremony now so they're getting married three times and so i said well i hope at least one of them sticks right <laughs> but we all know that today is the the important ceremony where before god you're asking him to be the guarantor of your love today your wedding day is a day marked by joy and by hope and yet it's a day, you know, and you're choosing to have a sacramental marriage. So you're united to the mystery of Christ and even the mystery of Christ on the cross. In the church, we have seven sacraments. We have the three sacraments of initiation, baptism, confirmation, and Eucharist. We have the two sacraments of healing, the anointing of the sick and confession. And then finally, we have the sacraments of service, holy orders, you know, priesthood, which I have and then matrimony which you are receiving today 
And these sacraments of service are precisely to serve the Christian community. And this is what you are doing. And it's intimately related to the reality of Christ's death on the cross. Pope John Paul II, you probably have like vague memories, you know, I've heard of him. Well, you're a little bit younger, but I grew up with Pope John Paul II. And he was somebody, you know, a very faithful priest, wonderful bishop and pope, but also somebody who was, was uh, fascinated by the mystery of human love. And so throughout his priesthood, and then also as pope, several times he spoke and wrote about the mystery of marriage. And, um, and one of my favorite documents from him is Familiaris Consortio, which is reflection on the family. And there, speaking about marriage, he says, spouses are therefore the permanent reminder to the church of what happened on the cross. They are for one another and for the children, witnesses to the salvation in which the sacrament makes them sharers of this salvation event marriage. Like every sacrament is a memorial, actuation, and prophecy. As a memorial, the sacrament gives them the grace and duty of commemorating the great works of God and of bearing witness to them before their children. As actuation, it gives them the grace and duty of putting into practice in the present towards each other and their children, the demands of a love which forgives and redeems. As a prophecy, it gives them the grace and duty of living and bearing witness to the hope of the future encounter with Christ. And, you know, I think that, I hope that I'm not overwhelming you, you know, but, uh, a lot of times we can think, okay, we're coming to the wedding, we're coming to celebrate our love, but when, when we receive the sacrament of marriage, it's even more. It's a mission, right? And that's what I want to reflect on with you in this homily. So you're called to be a memorial. And when I, when I saw this, it, it was kind of uh, caught my attention. And, and I think that it's interesting because you're, you're getting married right before the celebration of All Souls Day, you know? And, and this is very much a time of remembering, right? And for any of us who has lost someone whom we love, well, sometimes it can be kind of a tough day, right? Um, but it's, it's very much a day of remembering. And so what is one of the main things we do? You know, we go to the cemetery, maybe we bring flowers, or you know, some of our cultural traditions, we might bring food and music uh, in order to remember and to honor those that have gone before us. And I think that you, know, that you probably each have loved ones that you would like to be, have, have here that can't be here because you know, they've already passed on and, the, and yet they're present in a very special way. And today, as much as it is a celebration of your future and kind of laying the cornerstone of your life together, at the same time, it's a day of remembering. And I think that's part of the beauty of the sacrament, entering into the mystery of the church and realizing that we're not just disconnected you know, we're not just atoms hurling through the universe, but there were souls that are in the loving hands of God. In this memorial, you know, it's in the, in the Mass, when there's a memorial, we're remembering especially the death of Christ. And, and your marriage, to, to a certain extent, also mirrors that mystery, because there's a certain death here. When, we, when we're baptized, you know, part of the symbolism of entering into the water like the dying of the old man and it's the new man who comes up out of the water and in an analogous way we can see that a little bit with the mystery of marriage that today to 
a certain extent, David dies. But he dies to himself because he's living for Miranda. And to a certain extent, Miranda dies because she dies to herself because she's living for David. And this is the reality that you are called to remind all of us through your living. Your sacrament today is also an actuation. You know, one of the things that, that sometimes I think we miss, but our world is truly dying from a lack of love. You know, this is something that I'm convinced of. You know, we see this large scale in the great world conflicts, and we've all been following the news, I'm sure, in the last couple of weeks, and seeing the pain and division and suffering that so many people are going through. But we also see it on a small scale. You know, we see so many families that are ripped apart by, by division. We see men and women that are suffering on the street every day, those that suffer from crime, those that suffer from drugs, so many different things. And, and it makes me think, you know, this, this idea of that lack of love. I have some priest friends that have led uh, pilgrimages or, well, mission trips to Haiti. And, and really it's a, an example of extreme poverty that we don't see even in many other countries that we consider to be poor. And, and every one of them, when it comes back, they always talk about their experience in the orphanage. And, and they talk about you know, picking up you know, these tiny babies, a little bit underweight probably from malnourishment, but then something that the, the staff kind of uh, introduces them to and it makes them aware is that these children are really starving for physical contact, you know, and they need that love. And, and the other day, you know, a priest was, was talking to me a little bit about this, and he, taught, he, he picked up a baby that was, you know, very much, you know, kind of isolated in himself, not engaging with those around him. You know, the people were walking through the, the corridors and this, this child just would not react. And so he picked him up and he was holding him and there wasn't an immediate reaction. It was, you know, two hours later when finally they start to really look at each other and that gaze, you know, his eyes, the eyes of the child and, and a certain warming. You know, and then the baby starts to kind of bump his head against his forehead, and there starts to be a little bit more engagement. And, and I think that it's so sad. I mean, for me, it's something that's heartbreaking to think that a child could die from lack of love. But I think that's just a microcosm of what's happening so much in our world today. And you, through asking the blessing of God and the church on your marriage, well, in a very real way, you're committing to become witnesses to love. And then finally, your marriage is also a prophecy. The love of God will win out in the end. You know, and this is something that I think we have to believe and trust. And I think we're all following the, the happenings of the Holy Land, and it's, you know, very sad, can be very discouraging. But at the same time, I've been very encouraged by the example of kind of the highest church official there, Cardinal uh, Pier Battista Pizzaballa, who's the Latin patriarch of Jerusalem. And just last week, he wrote a letter to his flock. Now, it's interesting because, you know, it's, it's very easy to talk, right? It's very easy to say things that should happen. But one thing that definitely gained, in my eyes, a lot of credibility for him was that, you know, shortly after the, the invasion, he spoke publicly and said, I will offer myself in exchange for the hostages. You know, so here's a man who puts his, his money where his mouth is, we could say. And so last week he wrote a letter to those, you know, because there's the, the Palestinian Christians who are suffering as well in the midst of the conflict. And so he wrote a letter and, and he has a little bit of analysis of, of the conflict. 
But then what really struck me is that the whole last part of the letter is a reflection on the gospel and is full of hope. So I want to read you just a short paragraph from there. I have told you this so that you might have peace in me. In the world you will have tribulations, but take courage, I have conquered the world. So that's from the Gospel of John 16, 33. And then the Cardinal continues. We find ourselves on the eve of Jesus's passion. He addresses these words to his disciples who will shortly be tossed about as if in a storm before his death. They will panic, scatter, and flee like sheep without a shepherd. Yet this last word of Jesus is an encouragement. He does not say that he will win, but that he has already won. Even in the turmoil to come, the disciples will be able to have peace. This is not a matter of theoretical, irenic peace, nor of resignation to the fact that the world is evil and we can do nothing to change it. Instead, it is about having the assurance that precisely within all this evil, Jesus has already won. Despite the evil ravaging the world, Jesus has achieved a victory and established a new reality, a new order, which after the resurrection will be assumed by the disciples who were reborn in the spirit. So the beginning of our ceremony today, I congratulated you for this courageous decision, but now I'd like to thank you because I think that in a very real way, you are living out the encouragement and hope that should always characterize us as Christians and as Catholics. And, and in your future, you know, I wish, I wish you could avoid it, but turmoil will come. And, and I would invite you in those moments especially to look to the cross because I think that there we have the essence of Christ's message to each one of us, knowing that no matter how bad things can get, he has already conquered death. And he has already won for us the graces that we need in order to live our Christian lives and eventually be happy with him forever in heaven. So congratulations, thank you, and God bless.